Welcome to the Rooted Legacy Podcast. At Laurel Branch Church of God, we are devoted to developing an environment of engagement with Yahweh and hosting His presence attentively. Our hope is to help others become rooted in beloved identity and further the kingdom of God on this earth. From Pastor Seth Klein and the congregation at Laurel Branch Church of God, we hope this message brightens your day and changes your life. We pray that God blesses you and all that you do. Thanks for listening. What I feel the Lord saying right now for us is he is calling us into, uh, the, into full acceptance. Now, I'm going to sp- explain that a little later. Well, when, when the Bible says that we have received the spirit of adoption, when it, when it talks about the spirit of adoption, it literally means that we come into the spirit of full of, 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 full of acceptance, okay? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't accept you and des- decides that there are parts of you that just don't measure up or you parts of you that just don't measure up. He brings you into his heart. He brings you into his dwelling. He brings you, he brings you back into his home because he has fully, say fully with me, he has fully accepted you, okay? There, we, we know that there's, there's circumstances and situations where uh, we, we say this, you know, well, I like them, I just don't like their ways. Or I like them, but there's just this particular thing that I don't, I don't like about them. Now, when I say this, I'm not giving us permission to come into the presence of God however, or however, we, would, uh, however we would prefer. Okay, I have to come back into the presence of the Father in the same way that the prodigal son did. The prodigal son realized that everything that he had done in his life from the point he left, from the point that he left his father's presence was epic failures. And he knew that he could not take that same mentality back into the presence of the father again. And it's not because we have to measure up, okay? Okay, I, I don't serve God because I feel that there is this requirement on me to measure up. I serve God because he loved me despite the fact that I did not and do not measure up. Okay? Nothing the pro- listen, look, look at the prodigal story. Nothing he did, let's just be honest, would have made the father proud. Right? Nothing he did. He squandered his living. He lived a riotous lifestyle. Many believe that he squandered his money on harlots and partying. And when he decides within himself that even the hired servants in my father's house have enough to eat and then some, he realizes that everything he did and is doing apart from the presence of the father is destined to fail. And he says, I'm going to go back. I'm going to repent to my father. And I'm going to beg of him in my terms. What he, this, is, this is my translation of what he's saying. I'm going to beg of my father to at least allow me to be a hired servant in his house so that my belly would be full. Okay? But we know that's not how the story unfolds. 
When he sees the prodigal son coming up the road, the father begins to run towards him, embraces him. The son says, I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against the, uh, God. Would you at least let me be a hired servant? And the father never even acknowledges the fact that he said servant, but he answers him with, my son, fully accepted. Okay? So you need to get out of the back of your mind that what you haven't done is keeping you from measuring up. Or on the other side of things, what you have done has hindered you from measuring up. Newsflash, you will never measure up. But the good news is... He does not expect you to measure up. He expects you to realize within your heart that in His presence is where you need to be. And you need to understand that in this life, He calls you sons and daughters. Okay? We, we get this Christian thing down great. I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again believer. I'm, I've received salvation. I've been delivered. I've, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. But when you start looking at individuals and saying, do you know that you are a beloved son of God Most High or you're a beloved daughter of God Most High, it makes people become a little standoffish and a little hesitant. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I really do not know. But let me, let me explain this to you. My kids are not flawless. <gasps> They're not. Are they? Yeah, that's juice. They're not flawless. But nothing they can do will cause me to not accept them fully. I may be disappointed with them. And you have to understand that, yes, God may be disappointed with you. But it's because you have not given yourself fully to Him as He has fully accepted you. God can be disappointed, but He will not banish you. He will not exile you. He won't. He wants to embrace you and accept you fully and give you a robe, a ring, and put sandals on your feet so that when you walk, you walk in the identity of His authority. Okay, it was His ring, it was His robe. He says, he says to the servant, go get, go get my choice robe. Some people say that he placed a very, very nice robe in his closet in hopes that the son would come back. Let me say that's not factual. I believe, well, it could be factual, but let me tell you what I believe. I believe that the robe in which he told the servant to go get the choice robe was actually a robe that belonged to the father. And the father told of the servant to go get his very own robe and put it on that son, that son that had, had already been given an inheritance that most of us cannot even fathom and squandered it, I believe, in a very short time. Nothing he did was deserving of the father's attention, honestly. Nothing he did was was worthy of making the father proud. Nothing he did was worthy of being given the coat in which his father would wear. Nor the ring in which his father would wear. Nor the shoes in which came from his father's own closet. But your 
achievements and your accolades is not what makes the Father look upon you and adore you. Men, it's because you are a beloved son and daughter. How many of us have kids? Most of us in the room. How many times have we been disappointed? But it has not kept us from withholding our utmost love for them. You love your children as much today as you did yesterday before they messed up. Your moms and dads loved you just as much. Our Heavenly Father is a love that is so strong that it can't even be fathomable. A matter of fact, Paul says that he is convinced that nothing in this universe, nothing, not even principalities and powers, nothing could separate us from the love of God. Nothing could separate us from the love of God. Now, there are things that can separate us from the presence of God. Look at the prodigal story. He was separated from the presence, but he was never removed from the heart of God. He was never removed from the heart of the Father. The Father continually loved him, even though he knew not where he was. you got to understand, when people say, I mean, there are people that will manipulate this and twist this. Or, no matter what you do, God won't leave you. No, 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 no. Let, let's, let let's look at the prodigal story again. I've seen people in the past that will begin to talk about God's calling the prodigal's home. I see nowhere in that story where the father began to send emails and text messages and phone calls to the prodigal son saying, okay, you've been gone long enough. You can come home. I never see in that story where the, product, where the, where the father actually told the prodigal son to leave. I never see that in that story. So I don't think it's accurate that we can say that God is calling the prodigals home. We can, all, we can say accurately that the prodigals are actually coming to their senses. And had said within themselves, just like the story says, that the hired servants in my father's home have it better than I. Here I am almost tempted to eat the husk that I'm feeding the pigs. And yet my father's servants have it better than I do. Okay. What is bringing the prodigals home is the drawing of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit... But the prodigal has to answer the drawing of the Holy Spirit. We've got to understand that you can reject the Holy Spirit. Amen? You can refuse the invitation. Huh? Many are called, few are chosen. It means everyone was invited, but very few decided to answer the invitation. That's what that scripture means. Okay? And you've, we've got to understand that our communion with the Father is via the Holy Spirit. Hmm? I stay connected with some of you via text messages and cellular uh, services. You have to understand this, and to put this into perspective, I stay in communication with Yahweh, my Heavenly Father, by way of con the connectivity between me and Him. That is the Holy Spirit. A few Sundays ago, I began to, to open up to this and say to you that Jesus, though in the earth, was connected continually with the Father, which was in heaven through the Holy Spirit. He communed the Son to the Father, the Father to the Son by way of Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit was the communication in which they stayed in contact with one another. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you. And the Spirit of His Son, Paul says, that He sent into your hearts. So raise your hand. Exhale. You have direct contact with your Heavenly Father. Why? Because you have the Spirit of His Son on the inside of you. Is that not what the scriptures say? That's what they say. That we are sons of God because he has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Will you raise your hand with me one more time? Say I'm a son or daughter. There's no gender confusion in this room. You are a son. You are a daughter. But you are. You are. The first fruits of the firstborn. His name is Jesus. You have been given the mandate to be conformed into the image of his son. Sons and daughters, okay? Sons and daughters. How do you explain this? Because in the beginning when God created he and she, him and her, created them, he both in his image. Huh? We are created to be image bearers, being made conformable into the image of his son. I say that because I need you to understand. Uh, are we there yet? I want to get to uh, some scripture here in a minute to prove no, we're not there yet. But there's a hope alive on the inside of us that we will eventually, I think sooner than later, begin to walk in the manifestation and the image of the son of God in this earth. Where do I want to start today? Hmm? Anybody got an idea? Let me see. I don't know about all these notes. I do want to, I do want to recap on John 15 and verse 30. I have not chosen, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. He says that, he goes on to say that uh, you would glorify the Father. I think it goes, let me, let me, let me go ahead and look, can, let me refer to my notes. That ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. 15 and 30. 15, 16. Excuse me, 15 and 16. John 15 and 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of my Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, I know that we, we, we love to attach in Jesus' name on the end of a prayer. That is not necessarily what the scripture is telling us to do that's not what necessarily jesus is telling us to do that if we attach this code word on the end of the prayer uh, that it will unlock the combination in order to give us access to our desires that's not what that, that but whatsoever you shall ask of the father in my name and 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 this is nothing new this is something that i've taught oh well actually for probably the last five years his name is 
for the sake of the story, Jesus. Most of us know him as Jesus. His name is Jesus. And when we say in Jesus' name, we're attaching his name to the end of our prayer. But you have to understand that his name is Jesus. His name is his identity. His identity is Jesus. So when we come and pray to the Father, we actually come and pray to the Father as Jesus. So it could have been translated, whatever you pray to the Father as me, he will give it to you. Now, when I start teaching that, I mean, just in anywhere I begin to discuss this, people begin to get quiet. Because they don't, they, it, it's, and I, I mean, let me, let me just be honest with you. What, what is that? And I don't mean this to be mean, rude, harsh, or aggressive, but that's a Pharisaical mindset. Can I prove it? Yes, I can. The Pharisees looked at Pontius Pilate and said, we have a law. And according to our law, he must die, talking about Jesus. Why? Because he made himself the Son of God. Hmm? You can, you, can, you can almost preach anything you want to. I believe that you can go just about anywhere and maybe even preach against uh, rapture theologies that are ingrained into certain, in certain denominations. And, and almost get away with it. But you, you, better be, you better know that when you start preaching the revelation and the manifestation of the sons of God, that people will begin to reject you. Why? Because they rejected him. How do I know? The Bible is full of, the, of, of moments and scenarios when people rejected him, when he began to call himself the son of God. Hmm? And when you begin to walk in the identity of the son of God or the daughter of God, people will begin to reject you. Why? Because they just cannot within themselves accept the reality that he created us in the image of his son. And that his son, Yeshua, was sent into this earth to die on the cross. That he would redeem us back to God as sons and the image of his son. You, you know, here, here's, here's, a, here's a funny thing that may wreck your wreck your mind for a minute you, you want to know what I think Adam looked like I think Adam and Jesus looked identical I think they looked identical and I think that when, when, when Adam walked in the midst of the garden and I've taught this before this is what I believe and it's, I'm, I, won't, I will not waver or back down I believe that when Adam walked in the garden, when creation seen Adam coming, they didn't know whether it was him or whether it was Yeshua. I believe that the most anointed men in history walked. I believe that when Peter walked down the sidewalk and the episkiazo began to heal the infirmities of the sick that laid about the sidewalks on, on couches and beds, that the infirmity did not know whether it was Peter or Jesus, but it gave up his stronghold because it knew that there was an authority that they, that they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's funny I say shadow of doubt, right? Because it was his shadow that overshadowed people. I believe, listen, I believe. And there's another thing that I teach now, but yet to come. I believe that we have permission through Christ to walk in this earth as the son of God as sons and daughters of God to them that believed to them gave he the power to be the sons of God power 
So I believe that, that there is a place to where you can get that when you walk into the proximity or the vicinity of afflictions and ailments, the affliction and the ailments begin to cry out in anguish because they then see a glory that can only radiate from the Son of God and they know that the Son of God has all the power both in heaven and earth and they do not because they cannot put up a fight. Come on, you want to know why our community is plagued with drug addiction? Because there's not enough Jesus walking around. Because addiction knows that it cannot put up a fight. It will lose because it has already lost the battle. Because Jesus came into this earth and gave us the victory over death, hell, and the grave. And every else, the, everything else that, that begins to plague our human, our, our, our being, our person, our families, our homes. We have the victory in Christ. And why have we not begun to see the fulfillment of said victory? Because we're still trying to do it from, from the backdrop saying, Okay, I'll just serve a little bit back here. Okay, why did Jesus tell his disciples that, that the kingdom of God was like a man that goes on a far off journey? And he tells his, he tells his disciples that they would occupy until he comes. Hmm? Because they were given charge over that territory and they were given authority over that territory and when they occupied it, they occupied it as the one who owned it. Salah. And we find in the book of Psalms that the heavens, even the heavens belong to God. But the earth did he give charge to the sons of man. Charge. Authority. He delegated authority. People don't understand this because they want to say, well, it's the sovereignty of God. God knew that I was going to get cancer before I got it. He knew you were delivered before you ever got the cancer. But we failed to go any further than we got the cancer. God's, God foreseen that I was going to have cancer. If it be His will, I'm going to be healed. His will was accomplished on what we call Calvary's cross. I believe this. I believe it with every fiber of every essence of my being. I believe that everything that has ever come against me in the scope of my timeline has already been conquered on the cross. But it is up to me to adequately and appropriately step into that victory. Hmm? I don't have to fight this fight anymore. Do you know that? Do you know that when a king conquers a territory, he never sent his sons in to conquer it. He sent his soldiers in to conquer the territory, and then he sent his sons into it to occupy it. How do I know this thing is real? Because he says that his kingdom is to come and his will is to be done on earth as it is into heaven. Let me, let me say this to you. The kingdom in the natural can only be legally expanded through the lineage of sons. So God has got to establish and send sons forth into the earth before his kingdom could be fully established. 
The king begins to distribute and send sons into territories to expand his kingdom. And the authority of the throne transcends down from the father to the sons that occupy the thrones in the territories that he has conquered. For God to conquer the earth as it is now, sons and daughters have got to rise up and take their rightful places and begin to speak with authority in the territories in which they have been sent. His kingdom come, His will be done. Do you know what? His will transcends through the lineage of sons. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching. What is His will? His will is that everything that is His begins to be transferred and translated or transcendent from, from, from Him to the legacy of sons that He leaves behind. His kingdom come, it comes through sons. His will be done, it's done through sons. Come on, somebody, you know I'm preaching. But it's easier for me to preach to you and to say, if you can just hold on, His mercies are new every morning. If you can weep through the night, come on, glory to God. He's going to renew your strength. His mercies are renewed every morning. I know you're going through hell, but one glad morning, when this life is over, hallelujah, church, you're going to be called up into a cloud of glory, glory to God. Yeah, I'm not preaching that because it makes lazy Christians. It makes, I don't even, listen, it makes lazy followers of Christ. It does. I'm t- I believe in one glad morning. I believe it already happened, though, on the third day. Somebody say amen. I believe in one glad morning, but it's already happened on the third day when the stone was rolled away and Yeshua walked out fully alive by way of the Holy Ghost, the same Spirit that raised you or quickened you from your mortal body, the same Spirit that caused one glad morning to occur that day. Come on, I'm not, I'm not preaching we got to wait. I'm preaching that we need to take it. It's already been given to you. It's already been distributed to you. Your healing has already been, it's already been fulfilled. To tell us die, it's been paid in full. Come on, somebody. I'm, listen, I'm telling you, I believe this with every fiber and fabric in my being. There is a generation yet to be born that will be called the generation of Christ. And they will walk in this earth as the revelation and the manifestations of sons and daughters of, of, of God. In, in the image of Jesus Christ. Make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, but put ye on. Christ Jesus. I actually said that backwards. Same, same thing. The scripture actually says, put ye on Christ Jesus, or put ye on Jesus Christ, and make no, make no fulfillment, make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The emphasis I want to give you is to Put ye on Jesus Christ. Wear and walk in the identity of the Son of God. Do, 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 do me and Jimmy look anything alike? No. Neither do me and Deidre. From a from a physical perspective. 
But from a spiritual perspective, when the Father looks down upon us, he sees when he looks at every one of us, even though we look completely different, he sees the same image being made conformable under the image of his Son. When we come to him in the name of Jesus, we actually come to him in the identity of his Son. He says, oh, whatever it is you ask. Look, can I prove it? You think real hard throughout the four Gospels any time God ever refused Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, maybe? No. Yes, Jesus first initially prayed, God, Father, if this cup could pass from me, but no, your will be done, not mine. There's never a time in the Scripture where the Father refused the Son. Not one time. Huh? Paul also says now, him who gave his son so freely to be a sacrifice for us, in giving him, would he not give us also all things? All things. Do you want me to help you for a minute? Do you know what falls under the category of all things? Deliverance, salvation, redemption, reconciliation, healing, victory. You want me to tell you what falls under all that? The earth. Do you know why all things is important? Because everything falls under the category of all things. Your home, he's given it to you in victory. Your family, he's given it to you in victory. Your life, he's given it to you in victory. Your workplace can be conquered in Jesus because he's already given you the authority and the influence in Jesus' name in victory. Your community, your region is already conquered. It's already been given to you. It falls under that category of all things. Anybody can disagree with that? How can we disagree with all things? All things means all things. The desires of your heart, as long as they fall into accordance of his, with his will, all things. All things. Let me read a few scriptures. Let me see. Where do I want to go here? I really don't know where I want to go here. Do you remember, remember what we said last Sunday about... Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 30. There's, there's a couple words in there. It's the same word, but when you begin to break them down, it's two different words. The one word is called. In the English, we say called. In verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, one thing I want to emphasize that I have emphasized in the past, uh, he's not working things together for your good solely or even primarily so I believe we could and I don't want to you know get on any religious toes by taking one one daughter jittle away from it but I believe that we could say it that we know that all things work together for those that are called or to the good but we must emphasize according to his purpose. And the word called there is, is, is kletos. 
in that scripture, it's kletos, which means invited. You have been invited, which means that you are. Oh, let, me, let me try to explain this. Deidre, come up here for a minute. I give her an invitation. Immediately, she becomes the invited. Make sense? I gave her the invitation. When I gave her the invitation, the invitation then began to give her a title. She is now invited. Okay? She now has an adjective on the front of her name, the invited Deidre. Okay? The invitation is given to her. When the invitation is given to her and received from her, it then begins to change her name. She is invited. Okay? I, I'm not a very good English teacher, but I know that there's invited and it is, an, it, it is a verb. But in this case, it's a noun. It's who she is. I invited her. That's the, the verb. When I invited her through the verb, she then became the invited, the noun of the word. Make sense? Everybody help me out here. Does that make sense? Dad? Make sense? Turn your hearing aids up just one more notch. Invited can be used in two tenses. I think that's right. It can be used as a verb, and then it can be used as a noun. To inv I invited her, which meant past tense, that I invited her past tense verb. It means it's an action word. But once she receives my invitation, the, me in, I invited her, then she becomes the invited, the noun. She becomes the invited. Make sense? Help you? Can we? Huh? Okay, go sit down. So, the Claytos... We know that all things work together to them that love God, to them who are the invited. To them that answered the invitation, they then become the invited according to his purpose. He invited you into his purpose because he is using you to fulfill his purpose. Some of you probably weren't here when I taught on my, my perspective of predestination. I wrote a... a I wrote some stuff in my notes. Predestination versus pre-narration. Okay? I believe this plays fully into that aspect. God can use every circumstance and situation for his good, but God does not necessarily ordain every circumstance or situation for his good. And let me explain this. Okay? A 14-year-old girl gets kidnapped from her home in the middle of the night, ripped from her bed put in shackles, hid in a dungeon, and raped by men multiple times a day. Did God ordain that? You best bet your bottom dollar he did not. He did not. He did not ordain it. What happened was somebody missed the storyline, and they got it wrong. Okay? Now, what happened was somebody, listen, listen to me. 
I mean this from every, every, every soft part of my heart. I know y'all think I'm heartless half the time. But the 14-year-old girl got ripped out of her bed in the middle of the night because somebody was disobedient to the will of the Father. Somebody didn't go into their prayer closet and pray for the promptings of somebody. God, well, how can I pray for somebody I don't know? Read Romans 8. Sometimes we don't know what to pray as we ought. But the spirit within us makes groanings that cannot be uttered because the spirit within us knows the mind of God and prays according to the will of the God, accord, or prays for the saints according to the will of God. You see, you, you see how those come? You see that? According to the will of God. When he begins to see things begin to come against his beloved, he then begins to prompt the beloved to come together in the identity of the beloved son and begin to make intercession on the behalf of that individual. Where's Jesus at now? He is the beloved son at the right hand of the throne of God, the Father making intercession for us daily. Hmm? Do you have to... I went down a rabbit trail right there, but do you understand? That God can use every circumstance and situation to bring about his purpose. But he does not ordain every circumstance and situation that we encounter. So that he can bring it together for his purpose. That's, no, 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 no. You tell, you tell me God ordained a 14-year-old girl to be brutally, barbarically raped by men. Over and over and over and over again. Because, until the point she wishes that she was dead. Because really inside she is. That's not the gospel I read, and that's not the God I serve. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's why this pop, this, this, what I teach is not popular, because I don't blame God for anything. I blame us for everything. I blame the church for not being where it's supposed to be for every heinous crime in the world. I blame the church for not being where she is supposed to be for every evil act in this world. I blame the church for not being where she's supposed to be for every mishap, for every wreck, for every shooting, for every suicide, for every war that is taking place. It is our fault because he came and gave us the victory and we failed to walk in it triumphantly. Come on, somebody. Why is, why is our neighbors drug addicted? Because, because the vast majority of the church can show up on Sunday morning and shout and hallelujah and stomp and run down the aisles, but they won't walk out there as him. Hmm? Do you think that's possible? Do you think it's possible for you to walk in such an anointing and in such an identity? See, you've got to understand, and I've said this before, I can sum up the entire gospel in one scripture. If any man will come after me, he must deny himself, deny himself take up his cross, and follow me. Hmm? Okay, how can I follow somebody that is omnipresent? Simple. He is in me and I am in him. So everywhere I go, he goes already. Let me say that again. I am in him and he is in me. So everywhere I go, he is already. Hmm? Sombering, isn't it? 
Let me let you off the hook for just a second. We are the clay toss. We are the invited. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Say, brethren. How can he have brothers and we not be sons and daughters? Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. We have the word called again. And whom he called them, he also justified. And whom he justified them, he also glorified. This word is kaleo. Okay, we had kletos, which means invited. You are the invited. Now we have the whom he called, he also justified. Or predestined them, also he called. And whom he called them, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. It is kaleo, which literally means to give a name to. What did you name your dog? She called her Daisy. Hmm? What did you call your dog, Larry? His dog is called Kipper. Skipper. where I'm going there so I believe that he predestinated you to be conformed into the image of his son and because he called you his son he also had to give you a name to attach with that and it is justified and glorified so he actually has called you Yeshua, which means God's salvation and guess what follows God's salvation justification and glorification so it is part, get this, of your identity, justification and glorification. Do you know what it means that you are justified? It means you are in right standing with the Father. Do you know what uh, sons in the right standing of the Father do? They bring glory to their Father. So when you walk in the image of Yeshua, God's salvation, you also walk with names attached with that identity it is part of your identity salvation sanctified delivered justified and glorified he has called you justified and glorified he has given you the name hmm? but who's the only one glorified and justified Jesus he glorifies the Father. But you walk in that image. We walk in this earth as justified and glorified. Do you know why I think that's significant? Glorified means that something is bringing glory to something else. That... According to the book of Haggai, or Habakkuk, excuse me, <clears throat> that the knowledge of the glory of God will one day cover the earth as do the waters cover the seas. So what does the seas do in order to be covered by water? Nothing. 
What do you need to do to walk in a glorified state? You literally do nothing because he has already done it in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead also quickened your mortal body. Do you know what the word quickened means? It literally means to resurrect life into one, one that was presumably dead. Do you know what Romans chapter 6 says? That we present ourselves to the Father alive again. Alive again. Who will, listen, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We've got to understand that we're no longer alive apart from him who gives us life more abundantly. If he died for one, then all were dead. You've got to understand that until you were born again, you were literally a dead man walking. But now you're a man alive again. Alive because the Christ that conquered death, hell, and the grave is alive in you. The Son of God is alive in you and making you alive and well to be representat representatives, representations, I should say, of the living Son. How was Jesus alive? I think we would all in this room agree that Jesus is alive because he is seated in the right, at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen, everybody, amen. That statement is a true statement. He's just as much alive in you. As, as surely as he is alive on the mercy seat, he is just as alive in you. He is alive and well in this earth if the church is still breathing and the church is still breathing. Let me share some stuff with you out of the Passion Translation and then we'll move on. Uh, and trust me this we're not even close I don't think we're close to understanding what actually the Lord is saying Romans 8 I'm going to start with verse 15 and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough this is the passion translation let me read it again because I, I, I just really want to emphasize what the word says here and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. The Pharisaical mindset. The Pharisaical mindset, or the Pharisee, the culturally Pharisaical and the culturally Christian are the same today culturally. Why? Because it's all about service and it's all about works. Though they may, they may, they may emphasize or try to emphasize that it isn't. There, there's something, there's a word that is pretense. It means that what you do on the surface is a facade. That's pharisaical, culturally pharisaical, culturally Christian. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. The King James says bondage. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Never being good enough. If you're fearful of never being good enough, that fear is unhealthy and it isn't from God. 
but you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Hmm? Means that he has accepted you fully and entirely and completely. He has accepted you perfectly. Enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. The King James says, Abba. Some, some say that when you say Abba, it is the same as of a toddler or a child coming to their, their father and saying, Daddy or Papa. Beloved Father or dear Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's... Listen to what the Scripture says here. This is verse 16. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. The communion and the communication and the fellowship and the connection between sons in this earth and our Father in heaven is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit whispering into our innermost being. What is the definition of intimacy? Into me. The innermost depths of God within the innermost depths of man. The innermost depths of man in the innermost depths of God. The Holy Spirit has permission to travel into the depths of both. Come on, somebody. Whispering into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Say that with me. We also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. You want, let me say something here for just a moment. I, and I've, I've really, I've sat under very, very smart men that were smarter than me in every, my, every capacity. That believe that because we suffer in this earth, we're partaking in the sufferings of God, or of Christ. I'm not entirely sold out on that theology. Because I believe that as he suffered on that cross, the anguish that he did, he suffered it for me that I would no longer have to suffer in the life to come. What's the, let, me, let me repeat what the scripture just said here. We will experience being co-glorified with him provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. He died as you. No, 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 religion says he died for you. But revelation, by way of the Holy Spirit, says he died as you. You were spiritually, supernaturally nailed to that cross. You not only were nailed to that cross by way of Christ, but you were resurrected from the dead by way of Christ because any man that sinned was dead in sin. 
And he died for one, then he died for all. And if he died for one, then all were dead. I am now living a resurrected life by way of the same spirit that raised him from the dead has quickened my mortal body. That God has redeemed me as a son because the spirit of his son now lives inside my heart. So in all that he did on the cross, he suffered my anguish. I believe that, and listen, you don't have to believe with me. I'll never be offended if you disagree with me. But I believe that there is a place in which I can walk, that I walk in total and utter victory because my anguish was already defeated. My sufferings was already defeated. My afflictions were already defeated. My cancers, my whatever is is afflicting and ailing my body has already been defeated. And I'm going to prove that I'm going to prove something to you here in just a minute. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. Brian preached this. Sunday after uh, Sunday evening the entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters for against its will the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the conscious or consequences of human sin but now with eager expectation all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children coming to God's children to this day we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth and it's not just creation we who have already experienced the first fruits of the spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters including our physical bodies being transformed for this is the hope of our salvation but hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen have I I've not been teaching that there is a now but yet to come. Everything in my life has went through the fulfillment of his death. Come on, somebody. He died that I may have life and have it more abundantly. How do we equate life and life more abundantly to anguish and to suffering? and to agony how does that translate how does that equate it doesn't the hope but hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen how many times have you heard me say I'm not where I'm supposed to be but I'm on my way I don't say this braggadociously, I don't say it arrogantly, but you watch me, one day you'll see me walk in the full authority of the Son of God. And I will walk in such an, I'm not saying this braggadociously, you know my heart. I'm not saying, I'm saying this from all of humility because I'm telling you the reason I'm not walking in it now is because I failed somewhere. Maybe my faith. But I believe 
I believe that there is a now, but it is yet to come. But I believe that my now and my and his now are getting closer together. You keep your eye on me. You keep your eye on some of those that are sitting in the midst of this room. And when one day you're going to begin to see something begin to radiate off of their person. And it's going to be the glory of the Son of God. And when they walk down number three aisle at Goodson's, somebody in number seven aisle is going to start shouting a shout of praise and victory because there was a cancer on their neck but it fell in the floor and it disappeared they was once in one of those hover around scooters but something began to come alive on the inside of their legs and they stood up and left the scooter behind their cane fell to the floor their walker fell to the floor and they began to walk and run and leap and shout and praising God in the midst of all within that store because something came over them why? because there's a son and daughter that just walked into the facility there's a son and daughter that just walked into the circumstance there's a son and there's a daughter that just walked into the situation and when you walked into the situation the situation had to give up its stronghold because every demonic attack every demon every spirit principality and power and ruler of the darkness of this age knows it has lost the fight when the king of kings and the lord of lords comes in to the presence of that circumstance and situation every tongue can and every knee shall bow in the presence of God in the presence of his son Yeshua come on I'm telling you right now you listen y'all can't look at me y'all can't look at me funny enough to get me to deter from this matter of fact y'all can't look at me funny enough to even compare to some of the looks I've already gotten when I start talking to people and they look at me in almost utter disgust they may be looking at us in utter disgust now but one day one day they're going to say you remember when we looked at them in utter disgust but they've been called up into another realm you know what they're going to start looking for listen to me now they're going to start looking for your footprints in the earth. They're going to start looking for your footprints in the earth, sons and daughters. Are you with me? Why? Because if any man will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Guess what happens to you when you decide that you're going to walk as a son and daughter? You start looking for his footprints. Because you know that he's been caught up into another realm. You know he's been caught up into another dimension. And you start, you start looking for his footprints because you know that if you can find his footprints, you'll find yourself in his presence because they'll lead you to where he is. And when people realize that we used to make fun of them and we used to mock them and when we used to sit around the Thanksgiving turkey and begin to make fun of them and make gestures towards them because they once believed like we did but then they believed something completely radically and, 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 and they believed erroneously different but when they begin to see that you're no longer in the same dimension as them they're going to start looking for your footprints because they're going to start following your lead. Hmm? When they realize that this religious gate and this religious walk has gotten me nowhere but in circles, they're going to start looking for the footprints that begin to veer.
Listen, do you know what happens when you begin to walk in the same circles of religion? You begin to put so many footprints down that you begin to map down the, the, the earth and nobody can distinguish your footprints. And I'm not saying that we do anything in order for us to be distinguished. But if you're going to be a, if you're going to be a trailblazer and you're going to be a pioneer, then you're going to have to lay down distinguished footprints because somebody is eventually going to follow your path and they're going to have to see where it was you went and where you walked and where you tread. And they're going to have to follow the sole of your foot. And then it is there that you get distinguished because you're then beginning to walk in the footprints of one who had already blazed the trail and his name is Yeshua. Come on, somebody. Listen, I got tired of walking the religious circles and the religious, uh, the, 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 those, re, those, those religious, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Those religious meals. Carrying that, that, that or, or, or pushing that religious millstone and following the same people and the same re religious ideas and the same religious duties, and it got me nowhere. I, I got tired of one day of following all of these religious mandates of man and I began to see something I began to see something that, that, that began to, to, to catch my eye and it was the footprints and the footprints in which impressed and, 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 and impacted the earth had a radiance about them and I knew in my spirit hey that's the, that's, that's the footprints of the son of God and if I can put my foot where he's already tread He's already marked out my path. If I can just put my foot where his foot has already been, I'm telling you there is a dimension that will be opened up to you that people will begin to peer around and say, what happened to them? Hmm? Hmm? What if the rapture, listen to me now, provoking thought, what if the rapture happens individually what if you can experience the rapture in a moment and a twinkling of an eye when you decided to take a different route when you decided to step out of those sin circles when you decided to step out of those sin cycles when you decided to step out of those religious circles, when you decided to step out of those religious cycles, when you decided to step out of those, of those religious mandates and those religious requirements, and you said, you know what, there's only one requirement, and that is to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him, and I see where it was he has been, and there's where I'll place my next foot, and there's where I'll place my next foot, and then he gives you permission to be enraptured up into his presence, into another dimension, and people begin to look around and say where'd they go hmm hmm what if, what if what if what if that what if that was our rapture theology hmm that I don't have to wait until the earth gets so bad that he can't hold off no longer. What if I can walk in the dimensions of heaven now and people begin to look around and say where is he? He's been raptured. Why? Because sons and daughters are looking for the presence of the Father and they can only find the presence of the Father through the way, the truth, and the life and his name is Jesus and nobody can come unto the Father but through him. Come on. Come on, come on. You can't deny that the Holy Spirit's not preaching this morning. You can't deny that this is not a word straight from the throne of God.
You can reject it all you want to, but you can't deny it at all. Hmm? But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. I'm telling you that you are sons now, but there is a greater yet to come. Hmm? Let, me, let, me, let me explain this to you. My children will inherit everything that is mine and Brandy's. As I acquire it, it is theirs. But it will be fully theirs a day yet to come. Hmm? There will, there's something that has to be fulfilled in your life before you can inherit the yet to come. Oh, man. No, 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 no. It's not all oh, man. It's I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track and nothing's going to hold me back. I'm going to persevere because I found a path that has been blazed by one named Yeshua. I found a path that only few will enter therein. I'm not talking about you can't get to heaven unless you take this path. But I'm telling you that you can bring heaven into your earth now along this path. Hmm? And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes a hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know, what, know how to pray or know the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. In perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. Our destiny is supposed to fulfill his plan in perfect harmony. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually, before I say this word, two Wednesdays ago, maybe three, can anybody tell you my illustration or analogy of everything coming together for the good of those that love God according to his purpose? I talked about weaving a basket. You remember that? That was before I read this, and that's why I wanted to stop. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Who will become just like him. You are becoming just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us 
to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. He's called you beloved son and beloved daughter. In calling you beloved son and daughter, he's also called you justified. He's called you righteous. He's called you glorified. Let me close in this statement by a man named Damon Thomas. I don't know if you've ever Thompson. I don't know if you've ever heard that name before. Just a running joke here because you've heard it a lot. He says that theology is incarnational. He can tell more about what you believe by how you live than what you say you believe. I encourage you to start living your faith as sons and daughters of God in this earth. Because not only can I look and see that you believe it, but every demon in hell can look and believe it too. Do you know who the demons in hell do not want to come up against? Sons and daughters of the king that has all authority in heaven and earth. I ask of you, let's stand. And as I pray, I want you to begin to believe with me that you are beloved daughter, you are beloved son. You have been justified, you have been made righteous, and he has glorified you in him. Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you, God, for the revelation and the capacity and the amount of revelation that you have chosen and seen fit to pour into this church. God, I know that we may look in the natural and say that there's not a big enough capacity here, but I know God. God, you know, God, that you, you are sending your word into those where you, you, you're, you're sending your revelation and you're sending your word into the few, into the overlooked, into those that are hidden in the fields of obscurity. God, you're leading us out. You're leading us out of those fields of obscurity. And God, you're bringing us into a realm and a dimension of enrapturedness. And Father, I glorify you today for that. I thank you and I, I, I am grateful and I am honored and I'm also humbled that you have seen that this place was capable. That these people are capable of walking in that anointing and walking in that revelation. That we are sons and daughters. That we are sons and daughters in this earth and that you are beginning to expand your kingdom through the legacy of sons and daughters that you are sending sons and daughters into territories and into regions and into communities to establish your kingdom and your reign and father we're, we're, we're grateful and we're humbled yet again that you, are, that you saw that we are worthy that you have called us worthy that your will would transcend from heaven into this earth that you would begin to transcend not only your kingdom, but your will for the kingdom and sons and daughters through this church. For that we are grateful, for that we are humble. And God, we just pray today that we pray for permission that we could say more. Finally, that we've come to the place to where we could say more. Father, I pray that you could look down upon this sanctuary and this congregation and say, this is my beloved sons and daughters. 
in whom I am well pleased. And I have listened to them. And I have heard them. And whatsoever they ask, I'm their father and I'll give it to them. Father, I pray God for, for the faith Father, I know, let me say this in this prayer. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, <laughs> I live out my faith in the Son of God. That my faith will now be incarnal or incarnationally. That I would live as the one that is alive on the inside of me the son of God who gave him who loved me and gave himself for me father I pray that scripture over each and every one of us today that that faith would come alive on the inside of us and as Jesus is much alive on the inside we would live as much as Jesus on the outside that our lives will begin to then, our lives will begin to then reflect and mirror the life of Jesus. As he gave his life for us on the cross, that we could become those that present ourselves again to the Father, once again alive. I pray and I declare and I prophesy today, Father, that that hope, is becoming alive on the inside of us and that our faith is becoming alive and well and it's being nurtured and it's growing that we would live our faith incarnationally before men before angels before principalities and powers I pray for the universes to begin to to begin to rejoice I pray for the groanings of creation to be changed and transferred to rejoicing because there's sons and daughters beginning to be birthed into the realm of the cosmos. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tell Reagan to come in here, Brandy. Reagan to come in here. Our vision for the Rooted Legacy podcast is that we give as much free content to God's creation as possible. However, if you've been affected by God's word and would like to give, you can do so at Tithely Online or on the Tithely app. Just search Laurel Branch Church of God. Our address is Clear Fork, West Virginia 24822. That is Tithely.ly, T-I-T-H-E dot l y thank you for listening and may god bless you and all that you do today